this new season. Um, but there's, you know, there's a cost in that. It's hard as well. And it made me think of Joshua because when it said that after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, and he said different things, but he said this. really want to pray this over Phil and Heather. He says, Phil, be strong and courageous. For you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Father God, we just bless Phil and thank you for what he's going to say. Help us to receive it in faith, Father God, and to just own what you're going to do here in this place. We want to possess the land, Father. We want your kingdom to come. We just bless you for what you're going to do here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I could shout, but I might have a bit of a sore throat by the end. God, they're still giving coffee back there. What's going on? Ah, good. Well, good morning. What an exciting time we are in at the moment. Um, Kev, hopefully I'm going to take control. Sorry about the rather pretentious title, but uh, it is a film that I quite enjoy. It's one of my favourite films, The uh, Field of Dreams. If you've never seen it, watch it and welcome to my world. It's about a guy who hears a voice saying, if you build it, they will come and uh, ends up building a baseball field in the middle of a field in somewhere, some big state somewhere. Um, I want us to look today, we mentioned briefly last time we were here that we had been to see some planners and have chats with them. And Now, many of you may have heard bits and pieces of what's going on, but not really have a picture of what it is we're trying to achieve. And so that's the objective of today, to try and paint a picture of what the vision, what one of the strands of the vision of the lighthouse is all about, okay? And consequently, how this building will fit into it. So, let's kind of cut straight to the chase. We've, uh, we could turn one of those um, lights off at the back if someone fancies having a go at that. Mike, could you? Yeah, or, or just one of the auditorium ones. That's it, just dim it a little bit, and you might be able to see it. It's as big as I could make it. But we've been offered this piece of land, okay, uh, called Area F, and it is not far from where our current church facility is, D22, on Admiralty Park. And if you imagine that you were leaving D22 and going out through the gate that no one can ever remember the code for, turning right and heading out towards Organford. Well, Area F is on the left-hand side as you go down that road, just past the houses. And it is this wonderful five-acre piece of land, which is a little bit this. I was looking for my laser pointer, but I think I lost it somewhere at the conference. So uh, if anyone finds a little silver pointer. Um, So that's the five acres where that orange line goes around the outside. And basically, there's some rundown buildings on the left-hand side uh, in about sort of two acres of it. And then there's about three acres of very dense wood 
and rhododendrons and scrub and all sorts of stuff. And we have uh, been going on a, on a little bit of a journey, a little bit of a faith journey, where we feel the Lord is saying that it is time to build. It is time to have uh, some land in the land, if you will, to own a piece of land. Now, we've rented buildings, we've leased buildings, we've done all sorts of stuff for a number of years. The lighthouse has been going almost for 20 years now. I mean, it's, we're, we're getting on a bit, okay? Um, and all of that time, we've had leased buildings. It's always been owned by someone else. And we feel that at this stage, there is something significant about owning land in our area. And if you read accounts in the Bible of Abraham when he wanted to bury Sarah, he wanted to buy a little piece of land in order to bury her in. And there was something very significant about kind of owning the deeds to a piece of land. And so that's kind of number one. This is one that we're looking at at the moment, okay? Now, we've uh, really just sort of working up ideas at the moment to think what could be. What we're dreaming, we're conceiving, we're talking to an architect friend of ours who's based up in London and has been down Martin. And we've come up with some concepts and some ideas, which a couple of weeks ago we went to the planners as a very first stage and said, what about this then? What about, is this feasible? Is it, would it be feasible to have some kind of building on this site? And we went along expecting all kinds of resistance because it was supposedly in the green belt. It was right next to a site of special scientific interest, which means there's probably rare lizards and bats and all sorts of things there. Um, it was, it's on a very narrow road, as you know. Um, and, you know, there, there were a number of things that we were expecting objections and them to say, you know, we were all expecting as we walked in to start with the point of view of, no, this is, this is very difficult. This is going to be a difficult thing, you know, and, but it wasn't. Um, Claire and I went along and, um, we, uh, along with Paul Jeffries and Martin, the architect. And we started talking to them. And the first thing he said, well, we talked to the e- economic development officer. And he thinks it's a really good idea to kind of move the church from the industrial estate onto its own site. So he's kind of really, you know, behind it. And uh, then we talked to the sort of traffic people, the roads and highways. And, and they thought, yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. And all the way along, we're kind of waiting for the but, or the however, you know, of however, this really isn't going to work. But all the way through the conversation, it never arrived. And we got to the end, and the gist of the conversation was, not only do we not object to this, but actually, we actively support this application. We think you should just boldly go for it and say, it's going to be a church and it's going to be a community uh, kind of project and, you know, just go for it and we will help you to, to send it to the planning committee. So it was really a green light at every stage of the operation and um, it was quite alarming to me because 
I, I was expecting a bit of a battle and I was expecting a bit of breathing space as well to sort of say, okay, well, we've got to rework things, we've got to do... But all of a sudden they said, no, yeah, go ahead for it, do the detailed planning. And so I thought, oh, flipping heck, we've got to do it now. <laughs> oh, we've got to do the next stage. And that's, that's what we're about. And um, it, it's still early days. So there's a bit of land there. And it is, it is beautiful it is right on the edge of the heath. It's nicely tucked away. There's lots of lovely trees there. And it's got lots of possibility. So um, this, this is, I don't know if you can see it. Um, what we might do is email some of these things out afterwards so you can have a closer look. But these, and it's going to be up on a display in D22 on the day of prayer and fasting on the Wednesday evening. So you'll be able to have a look there as well. Um, But generally, we've come up with a couple of proposals to build something on that site. And the sort of thing that we're thinking about at this stage, okay, to just filling you in with the details, this is not necessarily coming out in the full order that I expected, but I felt like about a year or two ago, when we first started thinking about this, I felt like the Lord whisper into my ear, Build a place for 500. Okay, now, I've spoken to lots of people since then, and they said, oh, that's not big enough. That's, but this is what I felt the Lord said. You know, I felt he whispered in and said, build a place for 500. And just to give you an idea, this room here would seat about 500 if there wasn't a lot of clutter and exam tables around. Um, so in terms of a main room, we're thinking of something around about this size. And then, of course, I wonder if I should... Let me get up there. No, I'll go up there and point. No, sit down. <laughs> Dear Lord. 33 years we've been married. How have we lasted this long? So... Uh, basically, Station Road goes along the bottom here, okay? And this is the gate. So if you're driving past it and you have a look, it's called gate number three. So you'll see it as you go past. So our initial idea, which may well change, actually, it may, things may move along around and because we may have to do some things to get the planners fully on um, board. But just to give you an idea of the sort of thing that we're looking at, so we've kind of put a whole area of parking in here, sort of going in and coming around. The main sort of worship space we've, we're going to put up here by the fence and have a nice sort of cafe area with lots of glass so that you could see through and out onto the heath and all of that sort of stuff. There'd be a nice creche area and uh, young children's uh, church and then the... Uh, kids' church and other offices and buildings along along there. So this was this was just a first idea, okay? So and then over this side, we were kind of saying it's mostly trees. And then Martin had an idea of having a a prayer and healing centre actually set in the trees, all tucked away. We've now subsequently discovered that might not be the best idea because that's in Greenbelt that bit. And so we might have to get all of our buildings on that left-hand side. So that's, that's just a, a gist of the sort of thing that we're thinking about. 
This is kind of a styly sort of thing that we're thinking about, okay? Uh, Martin has, the architect has just come up with a few concepts at the moment, so there's no detail. It may look completely different, but he's got some ideas of kind of using lots of glass, lots of columns that kind of mirror the tall, thin pine trees that are around. There'll probably be kind of a lot of wood in it somewhere and stuff like that, and the cafe area, the, uh, the whole idea is that you can kind of see through the whole thing and just take advantage of the beautiful views. And then there'll be areas of sort of courtyard and gardens. Sounds very idyllic, doesn't it? Sounds beautiful. But my thought is, if you're going to do this, like, let's make it beautiful. Let's, like when we're doing weddings, when we're doing stuff, let's have some nice areas where you can take photos and have outside kind of perhaps put some marquees up or something to get extra space and all of that sort of stuff. It's, it's kind of just thinking about the process. So that's what we're thinking of doing. Why are we thinking of doing it? That is the big question. And that's, that's the bit that we want to join up today because it's not just about building a bigger church. It's not just about having something that's a little bit more convenient. And for those who turned up at 9 o'clock this morning and were stripping away exam tables and all of that, thank you so much for all of that effort and everything. But you will kind of agree with me that it's blooming hard work coming in and out of these places on a daily basis. And that actually, it would be nice to have our own space with a lot more space. But... It's not just about that. It's not just about convenience. It's not just about comfort. This is something which the Lord has said and which the vision of the church is pointing at categorically. Okay? It is something which he, the, the Father has spoken into me and spoken into the vision of the church and which we are pursuing and going after. Let me begin to explain what that's about. We have, I'm sensing at the moment that we are coming into a season of expansion, okay? A season of growth. We've been praying about it, we've been declaring it, we've been uh, really tuning in and seeking the Lord in, in our prayer times and on these Tuesdays to understand what he's saying. But I believe that we are coming into a time when people are going to be added in to the church. Now, what they are is workers for the harvest. And Jesus said, I think in Mark, he said, you know, pray to the Father that he send workers for the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And these workers need to come in. They need to come into the church. They need to come, be joined onto the body. But then they need to be trained and equipped, okay? And I believe that this is what this next season is all about. And when I say season, I'm kind of looking, we've been going 20 years, I'm looking at the next 20 years, okay? So where do we go from here? A lot of our focus up till now has been on reaching people and kind of reaching the lost, going out and praying for people and wanting to see the breakthrough. I believe that breakthrough is coming, uh, and I believe it is here already. It, it's, a, it's like a seasonal kairos moment where 
the atmosphere is going to change. We've been praying for it, we've been pressing through for it, and it is here now. We are in it, and we will begin to see the fruit of it unfolding almost on a daily basis. I believe we're going to see healing start to break out. I believe we're going to see many people added to the kingdom in this time. I believe many of the things that we've been laboring for and pressing through for are here now. It is kind of, you can almost taste it. It's, it's like right here at this moment. So assuming this is me now moving on to the next bit of vision, which Heather hates because we haven't fully done the last bit before I've moved on to the next bit. But I have to because I have to get things ready The next season is about not going out and dragging those people in, but it is about equipping those people. It's about discipling those people. It's about raising up disciples and training and equipping to send them out to do church planting, to send them out to do mission across the world. And I believe that this church is called to actually equip people and send them out and be an influence all over this nation and beyond the nation, all over the world. I believe that people will go out from this place and affect nations. Of course, one of the things I like to come back to is this vision that Jean Darnell brought back in the, in the 70s, about 60s, 70s, about the pinpricks of fire that appeared over the UK and uh, about how they were little collections of renewed Christians getting together full of the Holy Spirit, just expectant for God and beginning to work together and come together and lighting the fire of renewal in their hearts. Um, And then there was a second phase of the vision, which she then came back to the UK a few years ago and said, now's the time to begin to release this where the lightnings of God come and strike those fires and they join together and flow out onto the streets and begin to affect the whole nation. That is the season that we're in. That is the season where the church will begin to explode, get out onto the streets. Uh, it will be a time of national awakening and we'll, we'll just take this moment to pause now Please, whatever your politics are, forgive me and ignore them for the moment because we've just had a time where a a man has been elected to prime minister in our country and the Bible says that we should pray for them and respect them, okay? And he has come out this last Easter and said that the crucifixion was probably the most significant event in history. He has declared this is a Christian country. We have now got a Christian member of parliament, Michael Tomlinson, who got, in, who got uh, put in, whatever they call it, elected, that's the word, um, ju- just over the last few days. And, you know, we need to pray for them and bless them. And so, Lord... In the name of Jesus, I just bless David Cameron and the cabinet that he's forming. Lord, we just pray that you'd move on their hearts, that you'd give them uh, compassion for the poor as well as wisdom uh, to structure the country and really get it into the right place. I pray that they would continue to um, 
to really move forward in their personal experience of you. And I, I pray for dreams and visions to come upon them. I pray for other members of the cabinet to become Christians at this time. I just bless Michael Tomlinson and just say, give him good success and favor with all the people in this area. Lord, we just, we get behind him now in the name of Jesus and we just wish him to succeed. We wish him to do well. We wish him to be a voice for good within the uh, influence of that parliament in Jesus' name. Amen. But some of these things you think, I I think are are positioning. Things are being positioned around us. Now, I know lots of people have different views about way politics should happen and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, I'm not saying we're Tory. What I'm saying is we bless these people. They are in charge now. They are calling the shots and we should pray for them and we should bless them and get behind them. We are so blessed that they are people that, who would call themselves Christians. And I think we are getting ready for a national awakening. I think it is going to happen, and this is the season in which it's going to happen, and people are going to come into the church. So this is, then, what this is about. I think it is a primary call on the lighthouse to train and equip and send out. Okay, I'm going to look at a few prophetic words that I've had over a 12-year period Um, that have been absolutely extraordinary from Isabel Allen, who is coming here on the 18th of June. And there's over 100 people booked in now. Okay, so that means there's about 50 more places left. And they are going on a daily basis. And I know they are going from people not in this church. (laughs) We would really like as many to come along as possible. So I would just encourage you to... To get on, particularly if you're going to come for that Thursday and Friday, I'd encourage as many people to put aside a bit of time to just um, come and be in the presence of God and, and just listen to the heart of this lady. The prophetic words I've had have been just so confirming and so encouraging over my life over a 12-year period and given me specific direction almost like blueprints it's all it's like being so confirming of the things that the lord was speaking to me it just gave me a boldness and a courageousness to step out and do these sort of things even though it is daft it really is it's like there there is no way out of our own pockets that we can just make this happen no way on earth but god can do it okay but these words have been very instrumental in confirming that so let's Uh, begin to look. Um, So in about 2003, I think it was, I get confused whether it was 2003 or 2004, but it doesn't really matter. It was a while ago. I went out for this leader school in Toronto and that's when I received this. Of course, the first prophetic word I received was from Jonathan David in Malaysia, which I mentioned last time we got together. And that was extraordinary as well. But this one uh, was kind of much more applied and it was giving us specific steps. Now, one of the things that she mentioned is that as she was prophesying over me, was she said, 
I can see your area, I can see the place that you come from, and I can see that there is an ancient well in the land. It's a, it's a well that's been dug by previous generations, and it's a well of healing for all the nations. And it has been given to you to open up this well. Okay? And when that well gets opened up, it is going to be like when the disciples had been fishing all night and had not caught a single fish. So I, I love this picture, you see, because it just speaks of breakthrough. If ever there was a, a, a kind of story that speaks of the principle of breakthrough, this is it. You see, there's a way of thinking that says, if we just do what we do, but we do it a little bit better, or we do it a little bit smarter, or we have a little bit more money to kind of get some better equipment or whatever, then church will work, and everyone will come, and everyone will get saved. It won't. It's only God. It's only the Holy Spirit that can reach people's hearts and it is a time when he is going to come and reveal himself to this nation and we're going to see a lot of people so she said when this well is opened up it will be like when the disciples were fishing all night they hadn't caught anything they were despondent they tried everything they knew as professional fishermen to catch stuff and couldn't do it but then Jesus appears to them on the shore and says Cast your nets down the other side. But we've been fishing all night, Lord. But nevertheless, at your word, we will do it. And so they put their nets over the edge, caught such a catch that the nets began to break and they had to call other boats in to begin to land the catch. It went from nothing to complete net breaking in like one instant at one word. That is the spirit of breakthrough and She began to speak like that and said, when that healing well gets opened up, it will be like that. And so many fish are going to come into the net that you're going to have to use all of these networks and these contacts that we've been making and get the other churches in to begin to manage what's going on. It is going to be a big job and that we're going to have to work with the other churches and to land that catch and to begin to see our area changed that is the season we're coming into that is what we're called to do that is why I feel like the Lord has said prepare a place prepare a place let's go on these are some of the words that she said as she was speaking as she was kind of looking over me and she said I can see a training teaching and equipping center uh, connected with you connected with I see you connected with a teaching center a school a conference center Training people from all over the world. She said, equippers will come if you ask them. So, you know, we just kind of send out some invites and over they'll come and join in the equipping school uh, that we're doing. Um, She said, I can see you over blueprints like an architect or an engineer signing and changing and signing and changing. And this is kind of the process. Each time she's prophesied, prophesied over me three times she's used the same words architect and engineer architect and engineer architect and engineer she's met me three times in her life at kind of like seven year intervals almost it is like ridiculous she doesn't know me from adam and yet she's each word has just 
used the same vocabulary and the same sort of gist. But she said, you're going to be releasing kingdom finances for kingdom projects because you're going to need big finances because the Lord is going to ask you to do big projects. Okay, And she said, you'll be connected with a lot of people in a group of other churches and they'll want to come and invest in what you're doing. So that was the first the first word that we got from her. And then a second one, I went, she came over to the UK and I went up to Winchester and many of you may have heard that story that I was hiding because I did not want any more words. I was fed up of getting words because all of these words were coming and nothing was happening. And I thought, I went up with a team of about kind of 10 other people, as some of you were there, and I thought, kind of all these guys need a word much more than me. So I kind of sat right on the end of the line, tucked against the wall, slinked down in my seat, and she walked straight over to me, prophesied over about three people in this conference of about 500 people. And she said, you, sir, come out here. (laughs) I thought, no, but... But then she goes over again, and it it is the most amazing thing. But again, there was a lot of talk about the release of finances, about, you know, getting finances into the kingdom and all of this stuff, leading people into a debt-free existence, which is all very exciting. But then she goes on and say, I see you training and equipping people for the harvest Uh, building a ministry centre or a school centre, training people to send them out into the mission field. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. You'll be training and equipping people in the third world and particularly in... Is it that one that says Africa? One of them does. Um, Seeing many schools and many ministry centres being set up, that was alarming. Um, I've been enough kind of sleepless nights with this one, let alone with doing many of them across the world. But she said, the Lord is going to release strategy to you. He's going to release strategy as to how to go about it. And the destinies of many are waiting for you to build. This, this is the thing. The, you know, this whole concept is more, as I said, than just a building. It's more than a place for the Lighthouse Family Church to gather together. The destinies of many people across the world are waiting for us to do it so that they can come and be equipped. So we're not only leaving a legacy for future generations in that there'll be a building there, which I hope will be incredibly environmentally friendly, incredibly cheap to run for the next generations. We'll kind of try and get into it as many of the exciting developments as possible. So not only will there be a legacy of a building there, kind of like a monument or whatever, but there will be a legacy that will affect the lives of hundreds, maybe thousands of people from across the world that will then begin to step into those destinies and change nations. I think there is going to be a legacy of souls which will come into the kingdom because of what we're doing here, because of the young people that we're training up and releasing to go out, sending out to do church planning, to do mission, to do uh, street evangelism, to do music, to do film, to do all sorts of other things. So that was the, that was the second one. And then 
there was a third one which was just a couple oh I'm clicking the wrong one in Torquay just a couple of years ago and uh, again she came back to it again and I suspect the next time I see her she will know who I am Okay, so I can go for the, the coincidence of her using the same language and everything. But seriously, on these times, she didn't have the first idea who we were. But again, and she doesn't prophesy the same over every person. I, I can see some of you asking that. Does everyone get the training and equipping? No one else got it. Not, I was on with 60 people that first time, and I was the only one who got that particular word because I heard them all. But anyway, this time she comes back again. I see you training and equipping people for their destiny, sending them out into the world. The church is going to be like the church at Antioch, which was like a missions base. The church Antioch in the early church had people coming and going from all around the world. And they used to send people out on these missionary journeys to go and plant churches like in Ephesus and Corinth and all of these different places around the the Mediterranean. And uh, she said, we're going to be like that. Church planters will need to go out. Some will go to Africa. I see new blueprints being released to you. Again, those blueprints and the architect and the engineer. And she said, there's going to be a prophetic worship that will be released within the body that will draw in young people. And there's going to be a great gathering of young people that begin to come as this worship gets released. And then she went on and spent a good bit about saying, but also there's a special calling on you to reactivate, and she called what is it? generals in the faith. She called it those in their third age. It's uh, the third ages. I don't know if you've come across that term. In the autumn of their lives, she would say. But she said many people write off. People, once you get to a certain age... But you are going to be known as a place that reactivates people and sends them out even when they think they're not going to do it. Even when they think that ship has sailed, you're going to be able to reactivate them. And that's a, that's a passion on our hearts to say, yes, we're intergenerational. You, right from the tiniest to the oldest, we believe God has called you to go. We believe God has called you to prophesy. God has called you to evangelize. God has called you to go and change the world. So that's going to be part of what we do. So this word has come up consistently. Let me also say that before any of those words happened, I had what I call a roughy place encounter. I was leaving um, Gatwick Airport once on one of my business trips. I, uh, I think I just dropped someone off there or something. And I came out and I turned the wrong way on the motorway, which is really annoying because it's a long way till the next exit where you turn around and go back. But I thought, no, I'm not turning around. I have this inbuilt aversion to going back the way I've come. So I, I just headed off across country. I thought, I know I need to be over there somewhere. And uh, so I started following my nose a bit. And all of a sudden, I'm going down this road and I thought, oh, I recognise this place. What's this then? And I kind of almost pulled up outside this place called Roffy Place. And uh, there was a guy called Colin Urquhart who's still kind of going strong and his uh, family as well leading Kingdom Faith Church down in Horsham. And they had a ministry training school which was very influential in our early days. We used to go to this thing called Faith Camp. 
And we'd often see the students there, these kind of youngsters, some young people, some older people, who would just give up a year of their life to come and seek God, seek his face, just come and press in on a daily basis. They would eat together, they would sleep in the same building, but not together. And they would do washing up together, they would, you know worship and pray and study and all of this and kind of do stuff, go on adventures together. And we we observed, even at that point, there there was a certain fire on this group of people. When they prayed, they really prayed. Like like their lives depended on it. There was a passion that they would grab hold of things. And I thought, man, that's really good. And as I stood outside of this place, the Lord whispered into me, he said, you're going to have one of these one day. Now, that, this was 20 years ago, okay? So this was a long time ago, but it stayed with me. And I can remember it as if it were like yesterday, that feeling of standing outside and just hearing that whisper, one day you're going to have one of these, this ministry training center where people will come. So it's not a new thing. It's not a new, it's something that's rested in our hearts for a very long time. And I, think, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Lord has gathered together so many talented, experienced, anointed people under one roof. Like we see it with the musicians, we were just saying up there, man, that band is absolutely fantastic. They were so good, you know, and we've got so many people that are brilliant like that. And um, it, it's weird, isn't it? You know, in a, in a kind of relatively small church, so we've got so many musicians, but it is not a coincidence. And I believe that every one of you is called to be involved in this thing in one way or another and to, co- and to bring in the harvest that is coming. So what is this thing going to look like then? What are, we, what are we actually going to do? So let's just kind of whiz through. I mean, this was literally off the top of my head. I haven't, this is not the syllabus of the course that we're going to offer. This was off the top of my head of the things that the Lord has led us into that I feel are quite exciting. You know, and I've put the prophetic up there because, you know, one of the first things that we learned on that Toronto Leader School was how to hear God's voice for yourself. It's kind of very fundamental, really. But there's such a lot of people that don't feel they can hear God's voice. And I believe that we've got some great tools and we've got some great people and some great teachers that could lead people into a personal journey. So the prophetic, hearing uh, God's voice, getting people into a place of intimacy from hearing his voice and knowing the Father heart of God, you know, that's kind of a, a, a main thing, isn't it? There is the word in itself, and I believe the Lord has revealed a lot to us and put a lot of people amongst us with a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge that we could use as a sort of foundational kind of little Bible school or whatever to train and equip. And thinking about, so like, like just for example, here we are, what are we, about kind of 75 people in here, so let's just assume that some kind of shift in the atmosphere happened and the 75 people in here kind of went to 2,000 people, like almost overnight. Now, it happened in Argentina. It has happened in the past. A lot of people become saved. You know, we're going to need a lot of people 
to disciple. Those people are going to come in with zero knowledge. Many people these days don't even know Bible stories. They don't even know the story of Noah. They don't know the story of Joseph. It's like, it is fundamental. You're going from zero and we're going to need to train them up in double quick time to be able to send them out and begin church planting, maybe within the space of a year or two or three or whatever. You know, like a course to train people up really, really quickly to get them founded in the faith and people are going to be involved in it. There's going to be a lot of people coming through. The word discipleship, this is something that we're really getting into at the moment, not just hearing it and tickling our ears and adding it to our database of knowledge, but being accountable in it and actually bringing it to change our lives, of like getting into that place with people of saying, what is God saying to you? What is, Ruth, what is God saying to you? And then when you hear and you say, well, this is what God's saying to me, of having a friend who'll come alongside and says, what are you going to do about it then? And then remind you the next week, have you done anything about that then? That is the discipling process that challenges people to hear God for themselves, but then comes alongside in accountability to begin to move them on. And that is something which we would build into the whole sort of process. House of Prayer is really growing up and as we're beginning to think of designs, I would love to see a room that was just set aside, looking out over the countryside or whatever, where we could have day and night prayer. I'm not saying that we've you know, necessarily got enough to do that all the time, every time, but it would be nice to begin to set that aside and, and really teach people and get them founded in the fundamental ministry of blessing. That was such a great thing that's emerged from Felder Brennan and uh, what's his name? Um, Connect. Russ Parker. I keep wanting to call him Russ Abbott, don't I? It's like <coughs> about the lost ministry of blessing, of just proclaiming blessings, not, not always just pleading over people, not pleading with God, stepping into that priestly ministry that God has given us to proclaim blessings over our area and over the people. So these are things. Of course, worship. You know, I think there is not only can we train and equip people into getting them released in prophetic worship, in uh, kind of all kinds of worship, um, but I think there's going to be a whole new flow of music that comes out of this place as well new songs, new sounds, just every move of God has been characterised by a set of music that sort of went with it. And with the Welsh revival, there was all those great hymns that came out of it, you know, you know, like Bread of Heaven and all of this, and all of those sort of stirring hymns that came out. Each move has had a set of music that went with it, and I believe this will be the same. As the Holy Spirit comes on us, there will be music released from us. I think people need to be trained into the ministry in worship that they're not ministering to people at all. That worshippers do not minister to people, they minister to God. And people watch and think, oh my goodness, that looks fun, I'll go there as well, I'll follow on behind, you know. But, you know, and whether... 
There's one person in the room or a thousand people in the room or 10,000 people in the room. The worship is the same. You're ministering to that audience of one. The kids and youth work, I think, you know, again, we've got amazingly talented people and gifted people. And as we're training people to do church planting, I think there's, there's stuff to impart in that sort of area as well. Heather's checking her watch. The arts, again, prophetic art, dance. Got these amazing guys come and joined us. And uh, I think there's all sorts of stuff that we can train people up in a, and equip them in. Uh, and also within the whole area of sound and light and tech and PA and recording, that's going to be something that we begin to get kind of more expert in and can begin to sort of move on. Music, I've said that. Media and film, I, these are some areas that we need to push into even more, but I believe they're going to be very key in the days to come. You know, that vision of Jean Darnell's, that, of the fire that went down the streets from top to bottom, uh, well, when it reached the bottom, it went through the channel and over into Europe, beginning to affect Europe. But she said, you know, revival would come in the UK, affect the church, and it would flow into um, media. It would affect kind of TV and film and all of that stuff. But when it goes over into Europe, the revived media would begin to affect the church. It would go the other way around. It would be the media that would begin. And the more we've seen this, we've seen it for the negative with IS, haven't we? All the Twitter campaigns and the Facebook campaigns that somehow or other have been connecting with people across the country and convincing them to give up everything and go over and join. So we've seen the enemy using it to great effect social media, websites and all of this stuff. Well, it's, a, it's just a counterfeit of actually where God's going. And I believe that whole worldwide web that's been set up over the world is there and ready and primed to release revival across our nation. So, and a subject close to my own heart, kingdom business. I think you know, God's given us a calling as a group of people to release finances and to see businesses prosper. But, so, you know, that's just a handful of things that I believe that we're going to be training people up and equipping them in and uh, getting them ready. Obviously, that will be thought through much more carefully when it comes, but it just gives you an idea. So, so where are we now then? What's the, what's the next thing? I was just reading this the other morning, and uh, because everything in this and <clears throat> is, is like beyond us naturally, okay? And I love our declaration, God adds his super to our natural so that we'll become a supernatural family. Half of us don't have two beans to rub together. Seriously, you know, the idea of buying a piece of land for kind of half a million quid or whatever is just ridiculous. But it's not ridiculous to God. He has a track record. He is a genius, at releasing uh, multiplication. And I, I just looked at this, and we're, let's read this story. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, that isn't necessary. You feed them. 
But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass and Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And about 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. So there could have been a lot of people fed. But when I was looking at this, and I looked at various stories of supernatural release through the Bible. There was the one with Elisha and Elijah, with the oil that was, do you remember the oil that was kept being poured into the, to the vases? And, and then there was another one, I think it was Elijah, who went and said to the widow, give me, some, give me some lunch, you know, make me some bread. And she said, oh, I haven't got anything, I'm just about to die. I'm to cook my last meal for my son and myself and all of that. And he said, cook something for me first and then have something for your son and yourself and I declare that that flower will never run out until the rains come. Now, all of these stories have one thing in common. There is a word that is released, first of all. Jesus said to his disciples, you know, you feed them. Okay? He gave them a direction, which on the first instance was, we can't do that. There is not enough. And then the next thing they said was, we've only got kind of two loaves and five fishes or five loaves and two fishes, never remember. But Jesus said, bring them here. They had to offer what they had. They offered what was in their hand. They received the word and then they presented the little that they had. And then out of it, a miracle was released in every situation and actually it's much more than provision it is the way that virtually every miracle works it's the way that every single thing in the kingdom you hear a word of God and you step out and you do the bit that you can do you've only got kind of this we had a great story of this when we did our first extension we were uh I'd had this kind of picture of building this room on the back of our house in my bath time encounter. And when it, when it became clear that actually God was quite serious about it, it wasn't just kind of like idle chat, that, that we should do it. So the first thing I did, or the first thing that Heather and I did, was to say, what have we got? We had like a little bit of money, perhaps about 250 quid, and... We got together an architectural technician to draw out the thing. Let's say, well, Fredo, that'll be you one day drawing that out. To draw out the plans of what I had seen in my mind's eye. And we got them and we put them down and we didn't have, there was no way we had enough money to do it. And we got those plans back. We submitted them for planning permission and got it, but then could go no further. And so they just got put in the drawer. That was the bit that we could do. We said, Lord, you're telling us to do this, but we can't do it. So it's up to you now. And so we just left it for a while. And within a short space of time, someone came around. We didn't tell a soul about it. Not a soul. We kept it completely between ourselves. A little while later, someone came and knocked on the door and said, 
look, we've been thinking for a while, we'd like to give you a gift. Here's £10,000. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, under normal circumstances, I would have been terribly embarrassed and thought, oh, no, you can't do that. That's far too much. And, but instantly, I thought, I know what that's for. And so I said, thank you. Thank you very much. And we kicked off and got that first extension done. It wasn't quite enough to get it all done by someone else, so there was a lot of hard work that I had to do as well. Um, but we got it done, and that's how it works. You step out, you hear the word, so I got the vision, the picture, I got the confirmation that that's what God wanted us to do, and then we stepped out and did the little bit that we could do. And we've begun this process here. We've got some concepts done, we've bunged them into planning, and they've smiled sweetly and said, yeah, go on then, have a go. And now we're at the next stage. We've done the bits that we can and we're now getting ready right I think I'm nearly done now what is physically the next step that we have to do we have to get detailed planning permission I believe the Lord has said do this and so he is going to back it up one way or another there are detailed plans to be drawn we need to get serious about what this thing looks like now because you're going to have to do side elevations of of the whole thing when we put it in for planning and we've got to know what sort of space is in there so we're going to need to pay the architect to do that. And architects aren't cheap. We need to do a load of surveys, like all the trees, and work out which ones we can take down and which ones we can't. We need to do a little bit of work on the traffic and the flows of things. These are things we'll have to present with the planning permission thing. We need to do an e ecology, ecological survey of the site and work out exactly what's there and what because we don't want to get halfway in and then suddenly find that there's some rare species that kind of pulls the whole thing off we need to do a site survey that says looks at the soil and looks at the buildings and looks at what's there the most dangerous part of any building is getting out of the ground and if you start doing surveys and find there's contamination or a great big underground bunker or something that we didn't know about that we need to know we need to know all about that and I think we're going to need, in this phase, a few tens of Ks. Okay? Now, I haven't got that in my pocket. I believe God is going to do it. I believe God is going to do this. And the very next stage that we have got to do is to seek the Lord. And oh, I'll keep clicking the wrong arrow. So the first thing I want to draw to your attention is that day of prayer and fasting this Wednesday coming up and I would say look if this is resonating with you if you feel that man this is good we could like affect the destinies not just of this generation but subsequent generations and send many out across the world and see the lives of people in nations changed and you think yeah I think God might be on this I think God might be smiling join with us begin to pray begin to ask him what can I do what can I, of, of the bit I've got in my pocket or whatever, do you want me to give any of that? Do you want me to uh, kind of pray, to seek, to ask, to get ideas, whatever it is? We need to be active in it. We need to come to the Lord and say, how's this going to work? This is so far beyond anything that I could possibly do or we could possibly do. It has got to be God. So just I take that pressure off you right now, okay? 
we have not got to drum this up and we are not going to go hugely into debt and we're not going to you know take on any great burdens because God has said he's going to do this but what we do need is wisdom and strategy and we need to know what he's asking us to do at this moment and then we are going to have this gift day because there are a few things that are coming up that we just need to get going on okay so we need to ask ourselves Lord, do you want us to kind of give in to that? We've still got a couple of thousand left from the last one we did. I think we got about 12,000 last time and we've had to spend some of that on the architect, you know, of getting those, all those original surveys done and the concepts done and getting him down to come and talk to the planners and the planning application took some money. So there's probably about 2,000 of that left now, but we're going to need a significant amount more. So... What I'm asking you to do is to pray. And I'm, I'm going to finish off now. Perhaps you would stand with me because I just want to pray for you, okay? Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we, we just come before you. and Lord, I sense that you're speaking. You're speaking to us about this season. You're speaking about things that need to happen, and they need to happen quickly. We're not talking about 10, 15 years down the line. We're talking about soon, because the climate is changing. And Father, we need the strategies of heaven. We need the strategies of heaven in this. And I just pray a blessing upon every person here, and every person that listens to this podcast as well, and every person who gets the information relayed on, that a supernatural wisdom to receive finance will come upon them. I just want to bless each person in this time to be very prosperous and successful in everything that they do. I pray that they would have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing in this area, in this church, in this time. And that you would speak to their hearts, that you would reveal yourself to them and Communicate clearly to them what it is that you're asking them to do. Lord, I want to, I want to break off any fear. I want to break off any, any uh, obligation or fear, you know, idea that they've got to do something to keep Phil happy or whatever. I want to break all of that off. Father God, you are a good God. You are a powerful God. You hold the whole of creation in the palm of your hand. Gold and silver are yours. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You don't need a lot of money. But Father, will you just release that strategy from heaven? You've said, Father, that if we return all of the tithes to the storehouse, which we've been doing, we've been faithful in giving to you, See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. Well, Lord, we believe it is time to pour out a blessing. And I pray for supernatural appointments for people to meet people where they uh, begin to draw certain folks in who maybe have the wherewithal to do some of this. And I pray for favor with everyone that we come across in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, Phil, thank you so much for um, sharing that. And as we go from here, let's just go and be encouraged with this word.
um, and um, just talk about it, but guard the seed of the word as well. Just guard it in your hearts. Um, it's so easy sometimes to err to the, the what if side. How does this happen? But every time that's come up, I'm speaking to myself too. We just really need to say, but 